0: If you will, welcome all of those online with us today for joining in and tuning in. I'm thankful that they took the time, and I don't want to point the finger at anybody who may be Chucky's daughter, but for uh, drinking coffee on her front porch and tuning in, or drinking coffee over a lake right now, not on her front porch. She's not in town just skipping church. That's not it. I just wanted to love on her. She was a blessing. They've been such a blessing to our family And I just want to say thank you. Um, If you feel like today that you just need to be a part of something that's bigger than you, I hope that you feel like that today you've been welcomed not only into the house of God, but into the house of these people who call this place home. And it's our heart for you to feel like a distinguished guest every time that you walk in here, whether it's the first time you've ever walked in here, or you've been walking in here for the last 25, 40, 50 years. We just want this to feel like home this afternoon if you are not currently involved in a ministry if you are not currently involved in a ministry at one o'clock today is that correct at one o'clock today we're gonna start what we call next steps I'm not gonna take too long right here I just want you to know that if you're interested in serving in a ministry you want to know what we believe and why you want to discover who you are and where you may be able to serve or you're even interested in your membership I've had several people asking me about all those things if you want to answer to any of those things my encouragement to you today would be to be back up here at one o'clock in the student center with us and we're gonna begin our first set of next steps we're gonna do this today next month and the following and then we're gonna start it back over and do it all over again and honestly I don't care if we have two or twenty I mean I would rather have 20 obviously but We're just excited about the opportunity to show the church how to go from just being a guest in this place to having an investment in the house that you serve in. Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. And then also I'm going to jump over to Luke chapter 6. As you're turning there, um, just the short announcement of, of... what Next week, we're going to call that Daughter's Day. I know it's Mother's Day. I know it's Daughter's Day. But we can all relate to the fact that we are children of God. So we're going to call that Daughter's Day. Don't forget about the luncheon. And if you have any questions about any or all of that, please get with my wife. Talk to her. Check in on that. And let us know. Mark chapter 1, verse 28. The Bible says, Immediately, Jesus fame. Spread throughout all the region and around Galilee. Now, I had you turn there because I wanted you to highlight that because this is the last week that we're going to be in this series. Next week, we're moving forward. My wife's going to be sharing um, next Sunday morning. I'm going to sit with her and share just a little bit, but for the most part, it's her message to you. And the men and the women of this church what it means to be a child of God and I'm going to get to intervene with that so be here next week and invite her invite her, invite her, she'll be here go ahead and let her know Um, invite others that may need to hear that message and be here for that day but highlight this in your passage, in your scripture because I don't want this to just be another series I want this to be the foundation of your life that not only would you be saved and set free from sin, but that you would understand that Jesus saved you for the purpose of making his name famous. In this series, Jesus used a donkey to usher in his presence. He used a demon-possessed, probably prostitute, to usher in his presence. Last week, we talked about Thomas, the one that that doubted and left and wasn't around when Jesus first showed up. And he, he missed the mark, but eight days later. And this week, we're going to talk about the one that's known as Judas Iscariot. And Jesus used all these people and even an animal to usher in his presence, to make his name famous. But I want you to notice that Jesus did not spread his fame. People spread his fame. In this passage, it was not Jesus that took the gospel to the world. It was his disciples that took the gospel to the world. John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 30, He must increase and I must decrease. As a church, we exist to meet people and grow closer to God together. That is why we are here, to meet people and grow closer to God together. And very simply, if you are not doing that, then you are not quite on board with the vision of this church. Even I and our staff, we have to be very intentional because most of us don't know a whole lot of people here. So throughout the community, we're constantly just introducing ourselves, making sure, well, Pastor, I know everybody. in No, you don't. You do not know everybody in this town. I promise you that there is somebody. You see all these empty seats all the way around here? And even the ones that we roped off because we want to get you together because we want to make it look full on video. Yeah, we did that on purpose. It's okay, I'll confess it. But all these empty seats, you, you, are, you, are you telling me that there's not 400 people in a town of 10,000 with a surrounding area of, of, of almost over a quarter of a million people that this morning are sitting at their house thinking that they're alone and nobody cares? I'm telling you, they are. There's somebody sitting in their living room right now or still rolling around in their bed while we sit in here and celebrate how holy we are that needs to know the name of Jesus. And we need to look for those people. We need to care enough about them to get outside of our comfort zone and make sure that we at least introduce ourselves to them. There is a lost and hurting world out there that needs to know that somebody cares. There's at least 400 people in this community within a 10 to 20 mile radius that are sitting alone right now, wondering, wanting to know, does anybody see me? Do I have any purpose? See, the gospel didn't spread because of Jesus in fact the gospel does not spread if his disciples don't spread it Jesus is meeting people he's ministering to people the only reason that we have any inkling of anything good is because of the Holy Spirit and the conscience that God has given us but the gospel does not spread it is not shared if his disciples, if his people don't get out of their comfort zone and go share it. Were we able to get those pictures? Awesome. Here's what we want to do. We want to take this, this picture of, of all of our people in the altars where we had 50-plus salvations in one night. Pastor Michael in an incredible time in his presence. We've had other moments like this. We've had several moments. I would, I could may need more than just my two hands to count the moments that we could have taken a picture that was similar to this in the last nine months. And listen, I love the ministry that takes place in the altars. In fact, I'm telling you right now, if your kids are wondering whether they should go to camp or not, you just make them, because I'm promising you, there is an altar waiting for them at Woodworth Campground that will change their eternity. I love the altar. I long for the altar. I look for the opportunity for somebody to have an altar moment but hey listen ultimately it is not our call to have this every Sunday and yet people in church get mad when this doesn't happen every Sunday and I said it on Wednesday night I'll say it in here don't get mad at me for not doing on Sunday what you don't do all week hey my bad that was a little I know I usually save those things for the Wednesday night crowd but that's what we do We get mad at the pastors and the leadership of the church for not doing in one service what we're supposed to be doing every day as saints equipped to do the ministry in Jesus' name. So our call ultimately to meet people, to meet people and grow closer to God together is to take this outside of these walls to the city. We want to take that here, outside of the walls And I just want you to see this image because I'm telling you, there's a lot more than 400 people Right now, we could facilitate 290 plus 290. That's the number of chairs. And then half of the, about approximately half of those would probably be children that would go back into children's ministry and leaders that would transition all over the place, which is why we have next steps. We need to get more people involved. We need more people serving and doing so that we can facilitate more growth and more ministry because I'm telling you that this is bigger than the two services that we can have on Sunday morning. But it will not be because the pastor are doing the ministry in this church it will because, be because the people see the heart of God for the community of which he has anointed them to reach and I don't want anybody laying alone in their bed on Sunday morning when they could be here with us experiencing his presence but we can't meet everybody this vision takes you to get it accomplished we want to take what happens in this place to what's not happening, what needs to happen in that place. Luke chapter six. Today I wanna talk to you about Judas's in church. I want you to understand as I say that, Judas' in church, I mean that we are the church. And that we need to get the Judases out of us. Well, I don't have any Judases in me. Just hang on. We're going to get to that. Verse 13. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you have another version, don't get confused. Just look at the screen. Verse 13. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Now jump to verse 16. Watch this. Judas the son of James and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor Judas Iscariot became a traitor watch this verse 17 and he being Jesus came down with them He stood with the twelve that he had named and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon 18 who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Look what Judas is seeing right now. The first appointment. And he's seeing a large crowd who came to hear Jesus and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits. That would be demon, demonic spirits. Unclean spirits were cured. Verse 19. And all the crowd sought to touch him. For power came out from him and healed them all. Power came out from him and healed them all. And watch this. The 12 who were just disciples are now apostles and they're standing there with him on level ground and they're looking at all of these people and they've been chosen. And Judas Iscariot is one of the 12 who have been appointed as apostles, chosen to stand beside. The power that came out from Jesus and healed people. This is fun to say, so I wanted to make sure and give him credit for it. But Dr. Andrew Anani Asani, I know, right? He's from Guana. He is actually the director of the Guana Assemblies of God in the United States of America. So he organizes all the pastors that have come over here and been appointed and are planted churches and reaching those people and those communities across our nation. He's a professor uh, with a theological seminary and he also pastors a church he's got a little bit of a plate to eat from most days he said this if we fail to conquer certain areas of our lives if we fail to conquer certain areas of our lives the enemy will attack us in those areas those are the places that the enemy will attack example simple example is Saul Saul was arrogant and proud and prideful. So what did the enemy do? He created a Goliath that was more arrogant and more proud. And Saul cowered in fear because he never overcame that one area. You don't see Saul go out to the battlefield and challenge Goliath. Because every time that we leave a certain area in our life, unconquered, that is the area that the enemy will come and attack. For Judas Iscariot, it was the money box. And just for the record, because I want to boast on him, he comes and gives us illustrations every week, and and eventually he's going to become known as the money minister because we ask him to ask you for money every week. But listen, if Jesus needed a money box, then God, so do we. If Jesus had somebody over a money box to carry, and I, we, don't, we don't know how he received or what he received. I, I read you about Mary Magdalene and some other women that supported him and went along and ministered with him. But if Jesus had a money box for his ministry, then, then I have to ask him because we're not Jesus. We need to receive finances to keep this thing going and to fund the vision that God has given us. But for Judas... The money box was his area. And that area manifested itself in two ways. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, Judas's area manifested itself through betrayal. Well, pastor, I am not Judas, and I am not a betrayer. I would never, I would never betray Listen, before you tune me out this morning, I wanna ask you a couple of questions just to see if I can prod the betraying spirit inside of you. Have you ever found yourself rooting against someone instead of for the person or for yourself? I know that when I was in competition with people and I was kind of jockeying for a position on the baseball field, when that person was at bat, I wasn't like, dude, I hope he hits a 450-foot bomb right now. Bless him, Jesus. No, I was sitting there. I was like, strike out, sucker. Strike two. I'm going to get to bat here in just a little while. Not that it matters because they didn't spend enough money on me for me to take that dude's position anyways. But i was still rooting against him. Listen, have you ever have you ever kind of hoped that someone else who had been promoted into a position that maybe you wanted had maybe a misstep that would have been advantageous to you like there was just a a little bit of a piece of you that when that person made a mistake there was just kind of a little spiritual snarl that took place that's Judas you ever talk someone else down to make yourself feel better Like, well, they just did it. I've done it recently. Like, as I was writing this, I was like, I just did that. I am so sorry. If I got to eat it, you do too. Okay? That's all that I'm doing. I'm just sharing the gospel food with you this morning. Savor and wash it down with something good after service. Think of us, because we'll still be here. But have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, like, in your mind, demoted someone or their ability or their potential or their attractiveness to to make yourself feel better or to promote yourself mentally well that person doesn't that person shouldn't and and when we do that when we talk other people down it it helps to do what it helps to balance the judas iscariot spirit that still remains in humanity today That's a Judas. Have you ever made a comparison that was unhealthy? Compared yourself or somebody else to something that you should or shouldn't have? Have you ever been envious? Have you ever felt strife in any way based on someone else's or some other family's promotion or success? That's Judas. Let me dig a little deeper. Have you ever done it on behalf of your children? Were you at the pageant and just not like fall off the stage, just trip a little, you know, like we don't want her to get hurt, but let there be some sort of Holy Ghost stick on the stage. She just kind of roll a little. What about on the field? At the school? Well, you just keep doing what you're doing. Somebody else is going to make a mistake. That's Judas. We are called to promote and encourage, not be envious and hope that someone else is not successful. Because here's what Jesus said, and whatsoever you do to another, you do also for me. Why did Judas operate the way that he operated? because his expectations or his desires did not line up with Jesus's vision. We talked about desires last week. So Judas's desires for Jesus to become king of the Jews, king of Israel, to reestablish the throne of David over this filthy Roman empire, that's not what was happening. Jesus was feeding people in the wilderness. Can you see Judas? What are we doing? Why are we out here? Jesus is is washing people's feet. Why is he doing that? That is not how a king is supposed to act. He needs to, like, clean up and and ready some troops or something. Jesus rides into town on a donkey. And Judas is standing. Why is he, what is he doing? Have you ever scrutinized your leader because they weren't doing it the way that you expected them to? Do I have your attention? That's Judas. Judas watched these things and he wasn't encouraged by these things, but envy and strife and bitterness began to arise in his heart. And when what we desire doesn't line up, with what is happening, deception begins to creep in. See, deception is the root of bitterness, betrayal. As deception comes, so betrayal will follow. Lucifer is the deceiver of the brethren. And in the very beginning, we see Lucifer who had betrayed the throne room of God, and been cast out of heaven, come to man, and what did he do? He began to deceive. God didn't really say that. That's not really what God wants. When God had specifically laid out exactly what he wanted Adam and the woman to do, and he had even told them how, the deceiver, the deception, Because the desire didn't meet reality. The deception began to rise. And the enemy came to Adam and Eve and began to what? Cast doubt on the word of God. Just like Judas was experiencing. Because he knew that the Messiah was coming. And he even believed this man to be that Messiah. But because Jesus wasn't doing things the way that he expected him to. He began to let deception arise. And ultimately it would lead to betrayal. Why do we have to teach our kids not to be deceptive? Why do we have to teach our children not to manipulate? Why do we have to teach our teenagers not to mess with some of their teachers who have just been around too many students that day not to be tricked by this one conniving little Chris Fry of the next generation? Why does that happen? When a toy breaks, why does a kid willing to hold that toy together, go to his or her sibling and say, hey, you want my toy? Look at it. It's got the colors on it that you want and the wheel still spins. Look, let's trade. And the younger of the two siblings, they take that toy and they're like, oh, thank you. And then you ask that child, why are they crying? What, what, did, what happened? What happened? I don't know, His toy broke. That's not his toy. That was your toy. Well, he, he, gave, him, he gave me his toy. I mean he gave it to you. He gave you his toy and said, "Hey, can I have that broken toy, please?" No, he didn't do that. What'd you do? What happened? That deception in a child, it's the spirit of Judas Iscariot, which is ultimately goes back to the spirit of Lucifer himself. That would be willing to deceive the brethren, in order to promote himself. Deception leads to betrayal, and betrayal leads to bondage. Watch this: betrayal, and bondage. They reciprocate. They they curse one another, in an unholy way, which keeps an individual bound by that which Jesus wanted to free them of. Think about Judas. Judas is with Jesus. Do you not think that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he gave Judas the money box? He put Judas over the thing that he knew would be his demise. Jesus gave him the ability. Now, that seems a little harsh. Well, Jesus shouldn't have given him that. No, 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 no. Jesus knew that that would be the thing that led either to his bondage or to his freedom. So I'm going to give him the ability to overcome it. I'm going to put him in charge of it. And then he decides what he does with it. Because Jesus knew that that would be the thing that caused him to be his disciple or to die. And Jesus will do the same thing for us. It will either be the thing that leads to our bondage or to our freedom. Well, God, why did you allow that? Why did you let that happen in my life? Because he knows that that will either be the thing that leads to your freedom or to your bondage. We are bound by the things that we are willing to betray over. Those are the things that hold us in bondage. The things that we are willing to betray over are the things that hold us in bondage. And let me, let me lighten that a little bit because betrayal is such a strong word and most people when you say it, they let themselves off the hook. I hope I've asked enough questions this morning that you're not doing that right now, but just in case. The thing that you would be willing to be dishonorable for, the thing that you would lose your temper over and not care what anybody thought, the thing that you would be disloyal to someone That you should have honored that is the thing that will lead to your bondage now I don't want to neglect this I can't spend too much time on it but sometimes those things are outside of our control sometimes we're betrayed and unless we put forgiveness over that thing and let Jesus forgive it as he has us or them as he has us then someone else's betrayal of us could lead to our bondage, okay? Listen, the enemy, he's no, I don't want to give him more credit than he's due, but he's a formidable foe. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he will do it strategically. And he'll wait for just the right moment, never too early, never too late, just waiting for you to put your guard down in that area that you should have let Jesus deal with a long time ago. Watch this. First John chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Watch this. Verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him. John is not for Judas, just for the record. Every time that John mentions Judas, he's like, the one that betrayed him. You can hear, like, the frustration. Like, we were with Judas Iscariot, the traitor. And when then when Jesus took us up on the hillside and he ministered. Every time. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him. Verse five, why was that fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now listen, that would be be approximately $20,000 today. Why would somebody give that to the church? Why would somebody invest that in Jesus? Why would somebody invest that in the gospel? Why would we spend that much money on that thing? That was approximately a day's wages multiplied by eight at that time so if you took what they did and then you multiplied that that's how valuable that fragrant oil that she dumped on his feet and judas is looking at that thing again his expectation and and what he's seeing his desire and his reality they don't they don't match so this is what judas said why was that not given to the poor watch john calls him to the carpet again this he said not because he cared for the poor but because he was a thief (laughs) and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it why would he do that why would he take what was in the money box wait 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 why would he take what was given by God for the ministry you with me And spend it on himself selfishly Every time that we take What God gave That he purposed in our heart to give to the ministry and we spend it on ourselves There's a Judas in that That spirit is still alive today What would cause you to deceive? What would cause you to betray? What would cause you to be disloyal? What would cause you, listen, I know this is heavy. I didn't want to preach it. I was arguing with Jesus. You can ask our staff. I usually send them my message a day earlier than I did. And I was just laboring over this thing. It's heavy, but it's necessary. Because whatever that area is for you, if you don't let Jesus deal with it, then that will be the area that the enemy uses to distract you and lead you to your demise. Matthew 26, verse 14, just read it on the screen with me. Write it down if you're taking notes, look there later. Then one of the 12, one of the apostles, not just the disciples, not just the crowd. One of the 12 apostles called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver, verse 16. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. There's an old prophet And theologians don't know if he was a a false prophet or a fallen prophet. But his name was Balaam. And in the Old Testament, Balaam was paid by the king to give him prophecies. He was paid with a prophet to prophesy. And he only prophesied what he knew the king would want him to prophesy. And the Motivation for his prophecies was financial. The motivation, watch this, the motivation of what he was willing to do in the name of ministry was only done if he received money for it. And if he didn't, then he would not deliver the prophecy the way that he was supposed to. And you know that many of you know the story. If you don't know the story, it's really cool. You can just Google it and go read it this afternoon. But God sent an angel to stand in front of a donkey. And the donkey, again, the donkey being used by the kingdom of God, the donkey refused to go any further. Because the donkey was more spiritually in tune with the heart of God than the prophet. And the donkey spoke to the prophet. And ultimately, the prophet was convicted if you're only willing to do something for profit then you're either a false prophet or a fallen prophet only willing to do something not that you shouldn't be appreciated and and sometimes that a minister is not worth his wages because Paul said that but if you're only willing to do something if you profit from it then from the text that we read about Balaam, you're either fallen or you're false. And we're not sure which one Balaam was and we're not sure why he did what he did or didn't do what he was supposed to. We don't know if he was a pagan prophet, a false prophet or just a fallen prophet, but we we do know that he only would prophesy for profit. If you're offended by money then you care too much about it. If you would betray because someone else hurt you financially, then that may be the area. If you would manipulate to get your way, if you would hurt someone or something else, just in order to get ahead in life or listen, listen, listen or if you would do it on behalf of your children there's a Judas in that and that's an area that if we're not careful the enemy will attack our children cannot be the idol that we put before God in our lives but in this culture man, we will do thing after thing we will spend dime after dime in order to promote our children even if it cost us something in the house of god our children even our children should not be put before our call what would you do to get ahead fib a little cut a corner ignore a minor detail i thought of this story just to put myself make myself an example When I was in college, I had this really nice V6 car that I hated because I'm a spoiled brat. (laughs) Thank you. Three laughs. Appreciate it. We'll try harder in the second service. That's why we get two chances every week. Thank you, Jesus. We took the car to the dealership, and I wanted a truck. But what we didn't tell the dealership is that we had, I had, not we, nobody was with me. There wasn't like a proverbial rat in my pocket when it happened that went with me to the dealership that day. No, I had backed into another vehicle. It happens, right? People don't, don't park behind people. What are you thinking, okay? It's not their fault, okay? Those rearview mirrors, they don't take up the whole windshield. They can't see you, there's blind spots. Get out from behind people. So I was backing up and I hit another vehicle and it left a dent. In the fender, back fender of the car, and it, a and scuff mark. And when I took that car back, I did not tell the dealership. I was, why? Because it's their responsibility. They need to see that dent. They don't notice it. And I waited to walk in until it was absolutely pouring outside. So as they did their, hey, go out and check that car. This guy's like, oh. I mean, he ran around that car. Yeah, it was good. It looked great. But that was deceptive, right? And there's, if we're willing to ignore even just a minor detail, listen, even if it was somebody else's responsibility to catch it, if we're willing to operate with just an ounce of a lack of character, integrity in some area, that is the area that the enemy will attack. The enemy will attack my materialism for the rest of my life. So you know what I did? One day I called my wife. I said, let's give everything that we have away because I'm not going to be bound by this junk anymore. We wrote a check, sold a vehicle. We had $200 in our account and one vehicle. She's like, what do we do now? I said, I don't know. Don't get pregnant. She did it. <laughs> Buy her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've never cheated on a test. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't lie in church. Just bad. That is Judas in the church. I was so convicted when I began to legitimately strive to achieve the will of God. Pastor John, if you'll come in my life, I was so convicted. Because I had essentially cheated my way through, please don't send this to LSU Shreveport, a lot of classes in college. I mean, there would be times where I didn't go to class and I didn't open a book. And I would go and make a better grade than my roommate (laughs) because I was looking at his test and fixing my answers. If you will, or if you would let someone else. That's a Judas. Let's move on. Number two Judas was broken. Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he he had been condemned. That's Jesus. Jesus was betrayed, and Judas is watching and seeing that Jesus had been condemned. He was remorseful. He was remorseful. He was broken. He felt bad. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He he realized his sin. He he recognized it. He was broken over it. He was so broken over it that he like pulled the Zacchaeus. He's like, I don't want this. I don't need this. I'm going to take it back where it belongs. He confessed his sin to the people that had paid him to condemn Jesus, to betray Jesus. And they said to him, what is that to us? You see to it. Verse 5 says, Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, and he departed. Stop. He is right where Jesus wants him. Jesus has his spiritual eyes on Judas right now. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's in the cell. I don't know if they're putting the crown on him. I don't know if he's still tied to the block. I'm not sure what's going on, but I know that Jesus, because I know him and I have seen him throughout his word time and time again, recognize the brokest, brokenness of his people and call it beautiful. And Jesus can see Judas going to the temple And he can see him confess to the Pharisees. He can see him throw the money down and he's watching him walk out of the temple. But Judas doesn't go back to the disciples. He doesn't go up the hill of Golgotha. He doesn't bow down at the cross. He goes out in a field and he commits suicide. He hangs himself. And I'm not gonna go through the gore of what actually took place on that day, but it was more than just a rope and a tree. See, the Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 17, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Joel chapter 2, verse 13 says, "So rend your heart and not just your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Be broken." Just don't stay that way. Be broken. Confess. Repent. You can even be like Zacchaeus and pay back fourfold everything that you stole. Be a man and a woman of integrity because your children and your grandchildren are watching. And so when you do that, do it the right way and be broken over it. But don't stay broken. Two of our great friends... All three of us know this couple. They were in ministry serving God and they were betrayed by a pastor. They moved back home and he began to work for his father. They were still married, everything was okay. They had two sons. They were in ministry, lay ministry because he was working because you don't have to be in full-time ministry to serve the kingdom of God. In fact, you can do more ministry outside of the church than we'll ever be able to do because of the ministry that we're trying to do inside of the church. And he was partnered in that ministry, and he was serving. But he was hurt again. Some other things happened. A church split. Some of his best friends were spread out across the nation to do ministry together and apart. And he was left. And over time, because of other people's deception, he began to drift. And his wife went with him. And they drifted and they drifted and they drifted so much that they had gone from ministry to clubs and they were partying and they were drinking and they were playing and that promiscuous lifestyle in their relationship with jesus re- led to a promiscuous lifestyle in the relationship with one another and he came to a place where he was broken when he found out that she had been having an affair that had been lasting a long season but he hadn't been faithful either. So he begins to kind of re earn her heart. He begins to, to do the 40 day challenge, the love dare. He's trying to win her and earn her back. She didn't even want to be in the marriage anymore. She wasn't broken, but she was willing. See, because she went on a treat with another pastor and his wife, and they spent the entire weekend, but she still wasn't convinced. And they went back home and she went and visited and sat down with her pastor at the time. And he said, do you you even want your marriage to be restored? And she said, no, I don't. I didn't want to leave the relationship. And he said, okay, do you want to want to? Isn't that good? That Jesus is willing to work with just the smallest inkling of desire inside of you. And she said, yes. And through a long process of her going to the foot of the cross over and over and over again, they stayed married. Their sons still lived with them in a home they're plugged back into a church they're serving and they're being used to grow and multiply ministry why? because you can be broken but you do not have to stay that way what can you do instead finally you can believe again this is how I ended last week I know because you can't just believe last week You gotta believe and believe and believe and believe and something else is gonna come up and some other area is gonna raise its ugly head in your life and the enemy is gonna attack you again, distract you, discourage you again, and you're gonna have to believe and believe again. Pastor John told us Wednesday night, this word is pistuo. And it means actually more than just agreeing with, like, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, I'm saved, right? No! You're not saved because the demons believe that and they shudder. This word means to entrust. Here's the vivid visual context of it. Peter believed that it was Jesus walking across the water. So he got out of the boat. That's how you know that he believed. He stepped off into what Jesus called him to. So he believed. John three sixteen For God so loved the world, that gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes. Pisto on. Not just oh. Again, it's a present progressive participle. The ing of the word believe. That whoever is believing shall have eternal life. John chapter 6, Judas heard him say this. Verse 28 and 29. Then they, who's they? The disciples and apostles. Judas said to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe and keep on believing in him who he sent. Verse 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. He's talking to Judas, can you see him? I see you sitting where you're sitting. I, I see your, your desire. I see your willingness to deceive. I see that you would be disloyal. I see that there's an area of your life that you have not yet given over to me. And I'm telling you that this is the will of God that you would believe in me. That's all I'm asking you to do. Because I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you when I'm human. I hate it when people stop coming to church. I hate it when people stop living for God. I don't even like it when they go somewhere else. You know why? Because I take that personally. As a shepherd, I wasn't doing something to feed them that they would be willing to go to somebody else's field. And Jesus loves you way more than I could ever love you. He doesn't wanna lose anyone, but that he should raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone, everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. Don't just believe, but keep on believing. Judas was there when the pull of Bethesda was stirred by the hand of Jesus. And the lame man got up and walked. He was there when Jesus spit in the dirt and rubbed it in somebody's face. And the blind man saw. He was there when Lazarus had been rotting in his grave for four days. But he was not there on the day of resurrection. I'm asking you today not just if you believe but will you believe if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me right where you are here's what I want to ask today first and foremost the simplest question in the room and I want you to throw your hand up in the air as high as you can if any part of this message was for you raise your hand right where you are any part of it any part of it come on come on that's a testimony that's you saying, Jesus, I confess that that was for me. That was for me. Okay, take, thank you, thank you. Here's what I want to ask. If you're in this room right now and you've deceived or you've betrayed, if you've been deceived or been betrayed because it's the same thing, if it's not forgiven, would you raise your hand right where you are? That's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. That's me. That's me. That's me today if you're sitting in this room and you'd be willing to join these who are just being honest in this place and you would admit that you have believed in Jesus before But if believing is stepping out of the boat and actually following Jesus and walking in his will, you have not been doing that and you want to. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? That's me. I want to do that. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? That's me. I need to get out of the boat and I need to follow Jesus with everything that I have. Come on, would you stand with me all over this place? I don't know if you need to make an altar right where you are or if you need to come to this one. But I'm asking you today that if you raised your hand, do something. Confess it to somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. But don't go out of this place and forget about it. Don't go out of this place and go into a field that would ultimately lead to your demise. Don't just let Jesus deal with your heart and then leave here and not do anything about it. Right where you are right now, I want you to ask the Lord, what do I need to change? Come on, ask Him. What do I need to change in my life? If there's anything in you that needs to be forgiven, just say, Jesus, forgive me. And then name that thing. If you need to be saved in the room right now with everybody standing and most people praying and and hardly anybody looking around, if you do not know Jesus and you wonder whether you would spend eternity with him right now, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and be honest? Thank you. If you don't know that you know, that's all that matters. We want you to know that you know. If everyone in the room right now would pray this prayer with me, Jesus forgive me for falling short get the Judas out of me anything that would cause me to be disloyal dishonorable or disobedient forgive me and get it out of me but don't leave me empty Come on, lift your hands right where you are. Father, fill me with your spirit. Let me follow you with everything that I have and accomplish everything that you have for me. Well, don't let me leave this place today not in right relationship with you. come on right where you are can you see him on the cross can you see him say forgive them for they know not what they do I'm telling you if he would forgive the Roman centurion that would make sure that he was dead then he would have forgiven Judas if he would have just come to him and if he would have forgiven the Roman centurion and he would have forgiven Jesus then you need to walk out of here forgiven today and free not carrying the weight of that thing any longer attitude of prayer can I just bless you today father I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your hand would shine upon us your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us that you would lift up your countenance upon your people and give us your peace but God I pray that you would anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways I pray that you would make us hungry to receive your Holy Spirit and be empowered by him to be a witness to everybody that we come into contact with. I pray that we would go meet the people that are not currently in the chairs in this room and that we would be willing to disciple those people as you have us, that we would grow closer to you together because we don't want anyone to be left behind. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name.